What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry, this show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. Superflex City population, all the QBs, all the Superflex content, and all of you Superflexers. Superflex finally has a home all its own, and the city never sleeps. Superflexperts, Superflexible, the Superflex Super Show, and much, much more, all under one city skyline, means you never have to leave Superflex City. Every ounce of Superflex advice, theory, speculation, and strategy on the planet lives right here. Subscribe to the Superflex City podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts and get access to the only fantasy football entity on earth that is committed entirely to Superflex. Let the Superflex authority be your tour guide as you explore these city streets. Welcome to Superflex City. And the DLF family a podcast. Oh, it's me. It's me. It's that old SFD. Roaming the streets of Super Flex City. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. Or should we just change the name at this point to the Quarterback Extreme? The QBX Super Show. <laughs> That's been... That's been the topic of conversation. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it certainly has felt a lot more necessary <laughs> since that 2020 season wrapped up. And I think that, uh, that a lot more people are starting to get on board with the idea at this point. By the way, this is an episode that, uh, was meant to come out several weeks, a couple weeks ago. Um, somehow got lost in the ether. I have no idea where it went, so now we're trying it again. Um, so I apologize. Several of you have asked questions about Quarterback Extreme, and uh, I've given, you know, probably a, a, not the, not as com- 
you know, complete of answers as I normally would uh, in those DMs and on on Twitter in my mentions. That I, I, you know, I I really like to go into detail when I answer those questions, but um, you know, it kind of felt like I'm I'm getting these questions a lot. These are very good, very valid questions that I think a lot more people have than are actually asking. So, you know, it kind of felt like the way to go here was to put it in into podcast form. Um, but several of you asked, uh, you know, several weeks ago, and now here we are, you know, I to, to lose that episode was very unfortunate. What I will say is it gave me an opportunity to kind of add a little, add some wrinkles to, to my answer a little bit. I had a great discussion last week with Jordan McNamara in the last episode of the Superflex Super Show um, that really kind of changed my mind on a few things and really just kind of added some depth to some other things with the quarterback extreme strategy. Um, so, you know, it, it, it helped quite a bit. And I think it's a little bit like Google. QBX is is like Google, <laughs> where, you know, every day it's better than it was yesterday. So, you know, I always, I, I like, I always want your first exposure to be Q, to QBX to be tomorrow, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever day it is that you're, that you're ready to, you know, to hear about QBX and to talk about QBX, wait until tomorrow because it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be that much more polished tomorrow. Um, and, and, you know, the, the whole thing kind of came together in the summer of 2020 and, uh, we really started to define it and what it looks like, um, you know, really, really, really round out the strategy and say like not just quarterbacks early not just quarterbacks often but like exactly how many quarterbacks how often do you have to take them um how early do you have to take them is it just non-stop taking quarterbacks through your first you know five six seven picks it's not by the way you know we and we've talked quite a bit about that but you know it's it's throughout the last off season and even before that when you know when I really started to use this strategy myself that was kind of the question is like what are what exactly are the parameters here what are the actual guidelines to this because it feels like it it's really kind of it feels vague it feels like a, a moving target so last summer it finally started to come together and and say, all right, here are the exact steps. Here's exactly what it looks like. It's a minimum of five quarterbacks, and here's why. You know, it's it's starting definitely starting with quarterbacks because you want those top-tier guys, and here's why. And now, you know, after the 2020 season, I don't need I don't I don't think I need to explain why anymore. You know, we want those guys who are going to be who are going to hold their value for a while. That's that's kind of the big point. That's where the advantage really kind of comes from. You know, Pat Mahomes is is part of his advantage. I mean, the scoring is great. Like what Pat Mahomes can do for you on a weekly basis is great. But honestly, 
uh, here's the honest truth. He's 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 consistently in you know top five quarterback range, but does he is he consistently outscoring every quarterback on a weekly basis? Hell no. Honestly, it's not even close. You know he's 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 basically outscoring the entire field. He 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 was one of the top you know three to five quarterbacks five times in 2020 basically here's here's actually here's how i broke it down so the weekly average for a quarterback and you know it was it was different every week obviously but you know even if you call it 17 points if you call it 17 points a week that was the weekly average for a quarterback pat mahomes did that 14 times. He was he was at or above the weekly average 14 times. He outscored the weekly average by at least 5 points 8 times. Half the season. He outscored the weekly average by 10 points just 5 times. He only had 5 just absolute elite weeks. That's still a lot. Kyler Murray had more. Josh Allen had more. Aaron Rodgers had just as many. But it it's that it's the fact that he was he was an above average fantasy quarterback 14 times. That's kind of, that's that's that tells us a lot more. You know, it's not that you're getting monster numbers every single week from Pat Mahomes because you're not. You're not getting that from any quarterback. Again, the they're all still they're still all scoring roughly the same on a weekly basis. The real advantage for Pat Mahomes is that consistency and the fact that you're going to get that consistency for as long as you want it. You know, <laughs> we always say you know, career ex- expectancy doesn't matter a whole lot because we play within a two to three year window, right? Okay, fine. That that's that's you know that's that's true. But what happens when you get to the end of that three year window? I mean, do you just start over? No, like you still have to have something on your roster. That something can still be Pat Mahomes. <laughs> you know, you you can operate within a three year window like four times before Pat Mahomes stops being, you know, stops fitting into your plans, essentially. So in, in every step of the way, he's going to be an above average quarterback for you. He's going to score more than, you know, half the quarterbacks in the league on a weekly basis. He's not necessarily going to outscore them by a ton. He's not going to be the QB1 every single week. Not even close to it. It's that longevity, though, that he gives you, that security that he gives you. And that's the thing. We saw this in the 2020 season. You know, we went into the season feeling like, you know, every NFL team is settled at quarterback and probably for the long term. And I I fell into this trap as well. You know, we just kind of... We do this with rookie picks and it drives me nuts, but then I did the exact same thing. This is my fault. This is my mistake. 
I did the exact same thing with NFL quarterbacks, just assuming the best case scenario. Drew Locke is a great example of this. I looked at the supporting cast. I looked at Pat Shermer coming in as the offensive coordinator. You know, I I, I saw all this stuff that I, I saw a running game that, you know, should be able to lend some credibility that takes some heat off of Drew Locke. I just saw the perfect scenario for Drew Locke and just assumed like he's that he's he's at least going to be good enough here to you know to hold down that job to keep that job and to become kind of the long-term quarterback for the Denver Broncos maybe he's the next franchise type quarterback you know maybe maybe he's one of those guys who can actually take you to the playoffs and you know make a run but at the very least it, you know he's he he was put in a position to succeed to an extent where he keeps that job long term. And therefore, in Dynasty, we can invest in him and say he's easily going to be there for us throughout that three-year window to where we don't have to address the quarterback position again. And that was wrong. (laughs) Unfortunately, that was wrong. Unfortunately, Drew Locke is terrible. What really sucks about this, guys, (laughs) what I really hate about the Drew Locke situation is if if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson, if they don't have Zach Wilson fall to them at the ninth pick in the draft, I think they're going to be stuck with Drew Locke yet again. And I'm probably going to have to push him as a, as a potential breakout quarterback. And again, it's just a situation. It's just the situation that he's in. It's the pass catchers everywhere. Cortland Sutton coming back. Now it's a full year in that Shermer offense. You know, he knows the playbook. And, you know, there's the, the offensive line now has an extra year working together. There's just... Plus the defense is going to get worse. I don't want I, I don't want to go too far in depth on the, the Broncos. Uh, but you know, there there's there's still a lot of indicators that that could be a very good situation for a quarterback. And Drew Locke getting a full year, a full offseason, having all those weapons healthy, there's gonna be a lot that we have to say, all right, you know what? He's a bad quarterback in a great situation. I think that we have to take it seriously, you know. And I don't want to do it. I really don't. I hope that they just that that they take this seriously now and actually fix this. Get a guy who actually deserves to be there, who can actually inspire some kind of confidence and who can potentially beat Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert, you know, at least once a year. like if you can't beat either of those guys i mean this 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 is on the you know this is in the fast lane to going nowhere go find a quarterback who can win those games but anyways you know the point being if i i i really hope that they address it i really hope that they fix it but if they don't we have to we we have to go back to him 
And I don't want to do that because I do not like what I saw in 2020. I don't, I don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he makes good decisions. I think he's talented, but I don't think he's smart. You know, at least in terms of football intelligence, I don't think he has it. And I don't want to have to talk at all this offseason about how he's going to break out despite the fact that he's not a good quarterback. <laughs> I, I don't want to be thrust into that situation. But anyways, we we you know, we we felt good about all of these situations and we lost like half of them, you know, between things like you know, guys you know, failing to to meet expectations, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, you know, maybe Daniel Jones to a certain extent probably Gardner Minshew to a certain extent. I mean, at least to the extent where he, you know, he's no longer the starter. <laughs> he, he, we talked about this last off season and sure enough, here we are. He was not good enough to drag them to wins to keep them away from that first overall pick, which has to be Trevor Lawrence. So he, you know, he, he failed to, to exceed expectations or meet expectations in the win column, he failed to bring them to get them enough wins to keep, you know, to keep Trevor Lawrence away from that from that team. So, you know, it, it, that's that's another one. You know, he he just he failed to meet expectations. Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then we had guys re, you know retire or likely retire, possibly retire. We'll see probably going to retire drew Brees, but philip rivers already retired ben roethlisberger still could you know so all of a sudden and they're there and then you know guys wanting to be traded deshaun watson um you know matthew stafford getting traded jared goff getting traded carson wentz getting traded there a, a lot has been shaken up at the quarterback position around the nfl and it's made us feel a lot less certain and a lot less secure with, you know, nearly half of the quarterback situations in the NFL. And it's, it's made that top, that upper crust of the quarterback position feel that much more valuable. And we're seeing it, right? We're in, in the uh, Superflex ADP mock drafts. New ADPs up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, by the way, and go check it out. You're, you're going to see that there are a ton of quarterbacks with that first-round ADP where we used to see, you know, two, three, four of them go in the first round in previous seasons. Now we're seeing seven, eight, as many as ten quarterbacks going in the first round. I believe it's eight of them right now that have a first-round ADP, but we've seen mock drafts where as many as 10 quarterbacks go in the first round. 10 quarterbacks, Christian McCaffrey, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Like, that's that's kind of what the first round looks like. So, 
you know, it, it, it feels a lot more like you have to go get those guys who are secure, which means you have to get them early to make sure that you get them, especially when everybody else is feeling the same way. And all of a sudden, everybody's going QB early. I, I don't know that people are fully sold yet on QB often, especially when you've got such a depleted quarterback position right at the moment. You know, it feels a little bit hard to invest in Sam Darnold. It feels hard to invest in Teddy Bridgewater. And the thing is, like, those guys are both likely to be starters. They're probably going to get traded. But that means that they're still starters, right? I mean, kind of the worst-case scenario for for Darnold, for instance, is he doesn't get traded, and they still draft a quarterback with that second overall pick. And at four overall, Carolina could be in the same type of situation. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know that that happens in either case necessarily. But, you know, I think that the, the bigger thing that we're looking at with, with Bridgewater, for instance, is that, you know, what's, what's more likely to happen there is they trade him plus picks plus whatever else they have to. Christian McCaffrey apparently would be involved in that deal. Like it would be, it would be just a ridiculous price to pay, but, you know, well worth it to get Deshaun Watson. Well, now Teddy Bridgewater is out of Carolina, but he's still a starting quarterback. He's a starting quarterback in Houston. And, you know, maybe they're, they draft a quarterback as well, but he's still the bridge. You know, you still get a bridge quarterback there. And at this point, I mean, I, uh, I think that that has to have some value too, right? It, I, I think that the guys who, you know, if, if, if they're going to be on the field at all, I mean, that's a hell of a lot better than like Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> we have no idea with him. Cam Newton, Cam Newton is still, to me, he's still one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. He, he should be a starter somewhere. Washington, you could use a starter. Cam Newton could be your starter. He could be back in new England. Like there's, there's still places for him, but you know, I think that there there are some guys out Taysom Hill. There's there's the example I'm looking for of a guy that we it, it could really go either way with Taysom Hill. You know, either he's a starter in New Orleans and Jameis Winston goes somewhere else to become the starter, or Jameis Winston is a starter in New Orleans, and Taysom Hill is what Taysom Hill has always been prior to that little stint where he was a starter uh, with Drew Brees out. It's one of those two, and that's that's dicey. Teddy Bridgewater, to me, is not dicey. He's gonna If he's just going to be a bridge quarterback, I would far prefer that to the coin flip of what Taysom Hill could potentially be. Without that information, if I just have to guess – you know, who's going to be on the field. I would much rather bet on Teddy Bridgewater getting a few starts for me than Taysom Hill potentially being the long-term starter, but also very well could just stay on the bench behind Jameis Winston. 
But like that, that's kind of what we're running into in those later rounds at quarterback. Is who's going to be on the field? And so we start to wonder, you know, is is it really worth drafting these quarterbacks who, you know, in our startups who could potentially just lose all their value before we even get to the season? And it, I, I think that's part of why people are drafting quarterbacks a little early. It's also making it feel like a lot to ask to go five quarterbacks just because of, you know, that fifth quarterback is probably going to be somebody in the Bridgewater Darnold neighborhood. So, you know, I, I, I think that it's still going to be a little bit of a tough sell to go quarterback often. Although it's, I will say it's a lot easier to get there if you go quarterback early. Honestly, that's the big reason to go quarterback early. There's certainly that long-term stability. It's, it's kind of two equal parts. It's that long-term stability that you get. Again, it's not about the scoring that you get from those guys. It's just the stability long-term. And then the other piece of it is you know, if if you take a quarterback with your first pick, then it's a lot easier to, you know, to get to five quarterbacks than if you wait until the fifth round when we're into the, you know, the later tiers. So, you know, it's it's it, you almost have to go quarterback early if you're going to go quarterback often. There just won't be five quarterbacks available to you if you start too late. That's that's essentially it, but. Anyways, man, longest intro ever, almost halfway through the show already, and all I've been doing is setting it up here, talking about the importance of quarterback extreme, talking about, you know, kind of why people are starting to gravitate to it, at least dipping a toe into it. Um, but I, you know, I think that, I think that I, what I found is that there are a lot of people who, you know, retroactively are wishing that the parameters had been there sooner. You know, it and it is. It's it's too bad that it took so long to kind of, you know, to to really outline the strategy. I I think part of the mistake too was simply selling it on the idea of trade value, because it was really it was really easy for people to argue the trade value piece, the idea that you know the super flex theorem, the idea that you get a quarterback in the third round. You can trade that quarterback for a non-quarterback who was drafted in the first round. That two-round bump, you know, that scarcity bump that comes after the startup. People had way too many, people had way too many irrational arguments against that, that piece of it. You know, it was you're just trying to hold up the league. You're just, you know, you're just being a dick. You're just being a douche. If I was a commissioner, I'd kick you out of the league. Like, I, I mean, like that stuff's irrational, right? <laughs> that stuff's, and and frankly, really pretty childish. But it it really just kind of it weaponizes and vilifies QBX, and that's not what it's meant to be. So. 
you know, we're finally kind of getting to a point here where we see the value in having those those quarterbacks on roster, even if we're not going to trade them. We're the trade value's there, and it's awesome to have that, to have that option. But that's not the reason to go QBX. Like you can take advantage of that. And again, if you go, if you take five quarterbacks, you are not only are you in the trade market, but for those who need to, you know, for those who need to trade away a quarterback or trade for a quarterback, sorry, without sending one in, without sending one back, those who need to increase their quarterback headcount, you know, the, the, Price is going to be massive for them, and you're the only one with the capability to do it. Which means you get to set the price. That's still there, and you can still take advantage of that. With that fifth quarterback, you still have that that luxury. But that's not the real reason to do it. The real reason to do it is to be able to keep quarterbacks at both the quarterback and super flex position at all times and to, you know, to take advantage of their scoring power and, you know, create a scoring advantage every single week, regardless of who you go up against. And that's a, that's a thought. That's kind of a, a tent pole of the whole thing that we can spend a lot more time talking about. And we will, um, there's a, I, I've been, you know, putting a lot of research into that part of it. So we'll get to that part as well. But, you know, for those who are pretty sold on QBX, I've been getting a lot of questions about how do you get there retroactively? So like I said, I, you know, I, I wish that, uh, that this had been really kind of laid out for people last off season. The problem is, I mean, we could just keep going back in time forever and say, man, too bad this wasn't around in, you know, 2019 or 2018 or whatever. Like, at the end of the day, here we are. This is where we're at. So let's, you know, let's let's go from there. But a lot of people who did startups in 2020, you know, before even hearing about QBX, much less buying in, or, you know, 2019, whatever, or maybe you took over an orphan. I've, but I've gotten several questions about how do you get there? How do you get to a QBX roster from a, a roster that wasn't already QBX? You're in year one plus N, and your roster, you only have two quarterbacks. How do you get it? How do you increase the head count and get it up to five? How do you get to the QBX you know, to, to that QBX number. And like I said, I've gotten several questions about that. And that's really what I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit here. If I get a chance, I also want to talk auctions a little bit because that's the thing with QBX is, you know, the, the, everything that we've been talking about with it, it fits very neatly into this little box of, you know, 12 team super flex league, you know, with a, with a startup, with a snake draft. And we know that dynasty doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you have bigger leagues. Sometimes you have smaller leagues. Sometimes you have auctions. 
Sometimes you're just taking over an orphan, you know? And how do you how do you get to that strategy that you so that you want, that you covet? How do you you know, how do you employ that strategy and how do you get to the roster build that you want to go all in on when you're not already there? Hell, maybe this is even you know, maybe you're you started off on that two to three year window and now you're on to the next two to three year window, but over the course of time you lost some quarterbacks. You know, maybe you decreased in headcount along the way. And now the goal is to get back to it. Now the goal is to get back to five quarterbacks minimum. And what's the best way to do it without the startup? Because like we always say, well, here's what we actually say. (laughs) The cheapest of quarterbacks are ever going to be is in a draft. Notice I didn't say startup. And I think that that's kind of the key. Because it also works that way in a rookie draft as well. I personally, I, I also think that running backs, running to me, running backs are the cheapest in a rookie draft. Quarterbacks, though, are the cheapest in regardless of, of what we're talking about, whether it's a startup or the rookie draft. Either way, that's the cheapest that you're ever going to get a quarterback. Even Trevor Lawrence. You know, right now, Trevor Lawrence has a first round ADP. Rookie pick 101 certainly didn't cost you a startup first rounder. I mean, all you had to do is suck for a year. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than, than, you know, using a first round pick in your startup in 2020. It was a lot easier to get that pick. So now, you know, so even 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 in the case of Trevor Lawrence, even in the case of 101, it's still cheaper to get him in a rookie draft with that rookie pick that you that you just got for free. And honestly, it's probably cheaper to trade for 101 than it's going to be for, to trade for Trevor Lawrence. It's very rare that it works that way with rookie picks. But in terms of actually, you know, purchasing, like actually trading for 101, I think it's probably going to be easier to do that than it's going to be to trade for Trevor Lawrence. And it's the same thing. It's the same psychological. Like I said, QBX, very psychological, very cerebral. There's a lot of game theory to it. But the big thing, you know, the, the the scarcity mindset that sets in once the draft is over, whether it's the startup or the rookie draft, that scarcity sets in and all of a sudden you're willing to pay more. Quarterbacks are like toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, one day we thought there was a ton of them available. All of those guys, all of those, all the toilet paper was available to us. All we had to do is go pick it up whenever we needed. And the next day, the shelves are freaking empty. <laughs> and we're just like scooting around the carpet with, with our 
you know, bare assed like a dog because we don't have any toilet paper left and we have no way of getting any. We went from an abundance mindset to a scarcity mindset in a matter of hours when it came to toilet paper when this pandemic started. I, I And I don't know why that is. At least with quarterbacks, I get it. Quarterbacks score a lot. You know, quarterbacks actually help you win in your super flex leagues. They make a difference. They give you an advantage. It can be a big advantage. They score a ton. What the hell does toilet paper do to solve, to, to cure COVID-19? I'll never understand that. Like, do, does eating it give you some kind of immunity? Is that is that what was going on? Like, why the run on toilet paper of all things? It's a respiratory disease. <laughs> I, what, do, what what are you doing with the toilet paper to help you breathe better? I I don't I don't get it. Like, do we use toilet paper differently? I know what I use it for, and it doesn't. It's about you know three feet away from my from my nose and mouth. I I don't I don't know uh, I I'll never understand that one but it was the same thing right when the toilet paper was was available when the the shelves were stocked we had that abundance mindset where you know I can just go pick it up whenever I need it I know I don't have to pay very much because you know there's so much of it that I can you know I can I can find it cheap I can steal it from work if I need to. You know, those single, like individually wrapped single ply rolls that I can go steal from work. So I don't have to pay anything. So they know they can't charge me a lot for it because I can get it that easy. And then all of a sudden it's all gone. (laughs) All the toilet paper in the world is gone. It's in some, somebody's coat closet. (laughs) It's filling up somebody's garage all of a sudden. And now, all of a sudden, you need it, and you can't find it anywhere. And what the amount that you're willing to pay to get it just went up a lot, didn't it? The more it becomes an emergency, <laughs> the more you're like, "All right, I'll, I'm willing to go to that guy's house and buy it for buy a you know a roll of it for fifty bucks out of his stupid garage. I'll do that." Because at this point, I'm not desperate for it. That's scarcity mindset. And it's one, I mean, it's it's got a negative connotation. You know, in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. I think that's what it's called. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't just mess that up. But anyways, he, he talks about the scarcity mindset. And he talks about it as, as being a negative thing. But it's it, I, I'm here to tell you it's healthy to embrace a scarcity mindset when the you know when when there's truly a scarcity of you know whatever it is that you, that you need you know it's 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 healthy to you know if if, if you need insulin for your, you know, for your diabetes. It's healthy to recognize that 
there's a finite amount at your disposal. And make sure that you've got enough so that you can keep taking it in the event that you need it. And in the event that you don't have any more readily available. You know, in in the event that there's a gap between your last dose and, you know, when when you can refill the prescription. It's, it's, it's healthy to think in those terms. So anyways, that's, that's kind of, that's where we end up at with the quarterbacks is, is we start off with that abundance mindset when they're all on the shelf and then the herd comes through and picks the shelf clean and there's nothing left. Then the scarcity mindset sets in. That shopping trip in this analogy is the drafts. It's a startup and it's the rookie draft. Right now we're all feeling like, man, I can I can just restock my quarterbacks in a rookie draft right now. You know, there are probably gonna be some quarterbacks in the later rounds. So I don't need to take Trevor Lawrence 101. I mean, everyone's gonna take Trevor Lawrence 101. That's that might be a bad example, but there are probably going to be some people in some leagues taking Najee Harris over Justin Fields at 102. And, you know, and then there's going to be some buyer's remorse after the draft when they say, you know what, I that was my one opportunity to get a quarterback. Now instead I have to trade. And it probably means I have to trade away Najee Harris for Justin Fields, and I probably have to add to Najee Harris to do it. <laughs> that's that's the worst situation to be in. That's so humbling. We don't want to find ourselves in that position. So, you know, it, so embrace the scarcity mindset before it actually hits, is what I'm saying. Buy the toilet paper while it's still on the shelves. Don't overdo it. Don't go crazy with it. But, you know, make sure that you've got enough to last you a little while. Don't just go roll to roll. (laughs) That's kind of what QBX is all about. It's not meant to be, you know, just just grab every quarterback that, that you can see or anything like that. It's just make sure that you've got enough that you're not addressing that position every single year. And you can do it in a rookie draft. So... You know, I, I and I've put a lot of thought into this. Um, to me, the easy answer, if you're not already QBX, you, say you've only got two quarterbacks and maybe you don't even feel great about one of them right now. Maybe you've got, you know, let's call it like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. That's not a great twosome, right? That's that's long term. That doesn't feel great. That doesn't feel very stable. That doesn't feel very safe. So we want to increase the head count. The easy answer to me, first, okay, first of all, I think that the goal is probably going to be to go more extreme than just normal QBX. Like, let me set that, set the stage a little bit there. I think that we're kind of going to treat quarterbacks the same way we treat running backs. Because the you know the the pool of quarterbacks that we're really going to draw from 
is it's not going to be the it's not going to be that top shelf. It's not going to be the, you know, the three ply or whatever, you know, the the softest and the most absorbent. <laughs> we're not we're not going for that stuff. We're probably not going to get to Pat Mahomes. I don't think that should be the goal anyways. I mean, you might have the horses to do it. You might have the trade ammo to go get Pat Mahomes. But if you've got what it if you've got trade ammo to get Pat Mahomes, you also have trade ammo to get multiple starting NFL quarterbacks. If you can afford Pat Mahomes, you can also afford, you know, Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, and Baker Mayfield all in one shot. At least that's you know, just just kind of spitballing. Like Baker Mayfield might be a little much. But you can increase your quarterback headcount a lot a lot faster than you can upgrade your quarterback. So the goal isn't going to be to get to those top quarterbacks. It would be great. But let's start with just increasing the headcount. From there, we know that you can move up and down within the quarterback position once you've got that headcount. We know that you can do that. It's so much easier to trade, right? To trade a, to get a quarterback if you're sending one away. I mean, what does it take to get Pat Mahomes if you if you're not sending a quarterback? Think about how much that's going to cost. Think about what it would take for you to give up Pat Mahomes if you're not getting a quarterback in return. To decrease your quarterback headcount without, you know, what would it take for you to to agree to do that especially for Pat Mahomes especially for the number one asset in all the Superflex dynasty you know it it's it's not viable is it <laughs> I don't I I seriously doubt it so I think that the goal is to you know to just increase the head count it's we're not worried about how good these quarterbacks are but in order to do that, in order to to make sure that we're actually increasing the quarterback headcount, because again, it, you know this is this is something we talked about a lot last year. A quarterback doesn't count as a quarterback if they're not a starting NFL quarterback, or at least have a path to it. Again, bridge quarterbacks, great. We'll give them credit, almost full credit. <laughs> You know, quarterbacks who are likely to start somewhere at that at this point in the calendar year, like that's kind of the best we can ask for. But you know, the guys that we know are not going to start, that doesn't count as a quarterback. I don't know that Gardner Minshew counts as a court. I I don't think I would count Gardner Minshew right at this moment as a quarterback. Maybe he gets traded somewhere with the opportunity to start or at least compete to start. And at that can at that point I think that we'll will reclassify him. <laughs> but for the moment, I think that you know, I, I don't think that we can call him a quarterback. It's really it's really rude. It's really degrading. But man, this is it's such a cutthroat game. We do what we have to do. <laughs> and we step on some toes along the way. 
Gardner Minshew, yeah. Uh, Nick Foles doesn't count as a quarterback. You know, guys like that, we're we're not going to count them as as quarterbacks because there's not really a path for them to start, at least not at the moment. Okay, so we want actual quarterbacks. And there's more than 32 of them, but, you know, it's still there's still some scarcity there probably in a neighborhood of 40. So let's increase it, the, the head count. So the easy answer to me is to do it in a rookie draft. It's, it's not the preferred way to go. I think it's the cheapest way kind of load up on some rookie picks, especially later in the round and, you know, shoot for guys like Mac Jones. And I mean, maybe Trey Lance will fall a little bit especially when it starts to look like he's, you know, he's, if he slips in the draft, in the NFL draft, which I think that he probably will, he's a, he's, he seems like a pretty risky prospect. That's just my analysis on it. That's just my take. I mean, he might prove me wrong. Um, but for the moment, he feels like pre- he feels pretty risky. He feels like a project, and those are things that NFL teams are going to be pretty reluctant to spend early NFL draft capital on. Trey Lance should still be a first rounder. I think he's going to be a late first rounder, mid to late. Like that's, and, and I think that's going to make him cheaper in Superflex drafts I you know kind of the way Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love both you know the way they ended up being you know a little bit later draft picks and they were meant to be projects I think that's kind of what Trey Lance is going to end up being but that's perfect for us that's the type of guy that we want we want to we want several guys like that we want some of the guys who you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go trade for some guys who at least have a path to starting, but, you know, it it's not looking great right now. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is, is one I keep coming back to. Andy Dalton, I think, is a very good one. Um, definitely Jameis Winston, although I think that his price tag is going up. It's becoming pretty apparent to a lot of people that he's going to be an NFL starter. Cam Newton again. I think that he's a good one to to trade for. But I think that you're probably going to need to take a lot of different shots. Because I think that, you know, it's going to I think a lot of these guys are you know, where some of them are going to be starters, some of them aren't. And you know, I think that we're going to end up discarding a few of them. I think we want to draw a bunch of them, have a bunch of them in our hands so that we can, uh, so that we've, we kind of increase our odds of finding the actual quarterbacks who are going to help us get to that roster build. So, you know, I think that it's going to take more than five of them in this case. I think that, that we're going to want to take multiple shots just because, you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper. And not only that, I think that, you know, we, we're going to be able to trade the quarterbacks that we do have and package them with, 
you know, with with some non-quarterbacks, I think we're going to be able to increase our head count pretty fast. As long as we're not trying to, you know, reach too far up into the upper quarterback tiers. You know, and, and as long as we're not trying to necessarily trade for quarterbacks without giving one up. I I I think it's doable when you get to those lower tiers, but I just I think that it's going to be easier to increase the head count fast and get to the number we want to get to if we if we're sending away the quarterback. If we're sending away a quarterback and getting two of them in return essentially. And like I said, I mean, I think you'll probably have to add a non-quarterback to your side of it. You know, but say Matt Ryan. Back to that hypothetical where you've got Matt Ryan you and add in, you know, a running back or a wide receiver. Add in a wide receiver. Get, get rid of wide receivers. We're try, we want to pare those down. People roster too many wide receivers. <laughs> That's going to be my old man rant. <laughs> kids these days with all their wide receivers that's that's my crusade is to get people to roster fewer wide receivers just get to get your two starters start them every single week and then you know you've got the backup you've got a couple backups in case someone gets hurt or when somebody's on by but beyond that you know we don't need very many of them and we need the roster space for the other positions, certainly for running back. And now if we're going to try and increase our, our quarterback headcount, we're going to try and find these guys who are going to end up being starters who will give us that trade value, unlock that trade value by becoming an NFL starting quarterback. We're going to need the roster space to do it. So get the wide receivers out of the way. Package one with Matt Ryan and get back two quarterbacks or at least you know potential quarterbacks get back Andy Dalton and you know I mean maybe I wonder if you could get Jameis I wonder if that gets you Jameis Winston I don't always have my pulse on these things as far as these values go I mean, like I've I've got my values in my head, but it, look at my track record on commenting on a Twitter poll. Just go back, go through my timeline. Look at every time I commented on a Twitter poll I was tagged in, and watch what happens to that poll after I after I comment. Not only do not only are people already voting against you know, my side of it. But once I comment, once I say, oh yeah, this, you know, definitely the quarterback, the quarterback side starts losing even worse. <laughs> people, people do not agree with my player values. So it's, it's a little tough off the top of my head to give you, you know, some, some players and just assume their values because I clearly don't have a good grasp on how this world values quarterbacks. <laughs> like individual quarterbacks. I, 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 I'm just not there for some reason. Um, 
but yeah, let's you know maybe let's uh, let's let's try to get you know Andy Dalton and I don't know Gardner Minshew. That doesn't feel like enough either, does it? That's not Sam Darnold. Andy Dalton and Sam Darnold for Matt Ryan and you know a throw-in wide receiver. I don't know. Does that feel fair? I wish I had somebody here to answer me. (laughs) This isn't meant to be rhetorical at this point. I'm really trying to check my math, and I don't have a way to do it. I don't have a great way to do it right now. I could pull up DTC, but I'm not going to, or the DLF trade analyzer, but that would be absolutely horrible radio while I'm trying to pull that up. So, but anyway, that's, that's a strategy, I think, for increasing quarterback headcount. The other strategy, again, get some throw-in draft picks and, you know, get some of those quarterbacks. Jordan Love, I think, is probably a good target to go after. Um, You're going to have to wait a while, obviously. But, like, that's the type of of situation that I think we're going to land in is you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to have some short-term value, and you're going to have a lot of guys who have some – you know, long-term value that hasn't been unlocked. I don't think you're going to get in the middle there. I don't think that you're going to to be able to increase your headcount and get guys who right now are producers and will be for the long term. Like, that's the next step. This is a multi-step process. The first step is, like I said, it's just about increasing the headcount. Because once you find out what you've got with those guys... You know, if, if once you find out, maybe it takes you eight quarterbacks. You've got to acquire eight quarterbacks between draft picks and then making those trades for the lower tier guys. But if you come away with five NFL starters, then away we go. Now you can start upgrading them. But it's going to be really hard to upgrade from Andy Dalton to, you know, to it's it's going to be a lot harder to upgrade from Andy Dalton to Pat Mahomes if Andy Dalton's not a starter. So we need to increase our chances of getting five, at least five starters. Start there. But once Andy Dalton finds a starting job somewhere, let's say Dak Prescott doesn't get franchised, moves on from Dallas, Andy Dalton's your starting quarterback in Dallas, throwing to C.D. Lamb, throwing to Amari Cooper, throwing to Michael Gallup, handing off to Zeke Elliott. All of a sudden, his price, his his value goes up pretty significantly, right? Now, now we can upgrade. And even then, I don't know that it's worth it <laughs> to make that upgrade. It's going to be a little bit expensive. It's still more expensive than it should be, you know, even when we're packaging a quarterback with something else. And that's not totally the goal anyways, but, you know, for for the sake of some long-term stability, you can absolutely do it. So I, I like, I think that's, that's, to me, that's the strategy. If you're not at a quarterback extreme roster build, I think that the way to get there is to overbuy quarterbacks. 
increase the head count and go well beyond five. Like I said, that's what we do with running backs as well. You know, it's all about that's why so much roster space is saved <laughs> for the for the running backs when you do the super flex flywheel and try and get, you know, the five quarterbacks and minimalist at tight end and, and wide receiver. It's so that all that space is all that roster space is left for running backs. Well, let's do that with quarterbacks in order to increase, you know, in, in order to get up to the QBX roster build, in order to get up to that flywheel, let's, let's overbuy them so that we can throw all those darts, see which ones stick, and once we get to five, then we can start upgrading them if we need to. If we want to. And again, you know, you can get that youth. You can get that long-term stability. But it all starts with having the quarterbacks to do it. It's it's tough when you say, you know, you got to have quarterbacks to trade for quarterbacks. So how do we get the quarterbacks? And I think that's the way you've got to do it. You've got to reverse engineer QBX. You've got to take the principles that we already know about what their value does. You know, we've got to, we certainly have to work within that and maybe even take advantage of it a little bit. Take advantage of the fact that these quarterbacks who are not currently viewed as NFL starters, take advantage of the fact that they're, that they're not, you know, that we don't consider them to be quarterbacks. When we, you know, if in the startup we were able to go QBX, now we're quarterback snobs. We turn our nose up at Andy Dalton. I've got four, I've got five quarterbacks who are all better than Andy Dalton. You know, take advantage of that. Take advantage of that mindset. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 and then, you know, kind of from there, like Tate, we're we're just kind of we're leveraging those quarterback values essentially. Like I said, reverse engineering quarterback extreme, working backwards from those middle rounds, and you know, just kind of taking advantage of the fact that we can get a lot of quarterbacks relatively cheap by giving up, you know, one or two you know, more stable quarterbacks, more productive quarterbacks. And then again, you know, once, once you've got the head count up, then you can start to upgrade. Then you can start to solidify them for the long term. I hope that made sense. That made sense. I, I kind of rambled through that a little bit, almost like, it's it's almost a foreign concept to me at this point, you know, to to go quarterback, to not go quarterback extreme and then try and get there later because it is difficult. I mean, that, that's part of the selling point of QBX. But at the same time, QBX is a pretty new concept. And it's certainly not one that a lot of people bought into prior to the 2020 season. So, you know. I don't take offense to that. I take offense if you still don't buy into it 
even after you saw what quarterbacks can do if you have them or if you don't have them. I'd take offense to that. (laughs) And I'll tell you that to your face and then run away. Um, But, you know, I I don't take offense to the fact that you know, people are, are just now kind of coming around to quarterback extreme. Like I say, it's it's just now kind of starting to mature, starting to to take shape and come to life. So, you know, uh, there there were a lot of super flex startups, uh, you know, in previous seasons before the QBX strategy came along. So, you know, now we that's that's part of our challenge here is to figure out. All right, so now we know what we should have done two years ago before we ever heard of it. So how do we get there now? And like I said, I, 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 to me, that's the way to do it. You overbuy the quarterbacks. And just keep, keep at it until you end up with five starters, a minimum of five starters. And then start upgrading those starters. But we'll revisit it for sure. If there's if if there's more that needs to be added to it, we'll definitely revisit it. We've got a lot more to talk about. Like I said, I want to talk about auctions. Going QB extreme in an auction, that's freaking hard. And it's back to the psychology of it, you know. It's a lot harder to to convince people of that scarcity mindset when, um, or or of the abundance mindset that is when all the quarterbacks are right there on the board at the same time, how do you go QB extreme in an auction? Still want to talk about that. Um, there's, you know, other, other league formats Talking about what exactly quarterback extreme does. I got into that a little bit talking about Pat Mahomes, you know, but there's, there's still a lot to unpack there as well and how quarterbacks perform on a weekly basis. Like where, where the advantages actually lie with quarterbacks. So there's so much to talk about plus great guests yet to come. There's a lot going on for the Superflex Super Show. Um, we still have a a long way to go, plenty to talk about, plenty to plenty to to discuss and to outline. So with that, we were instead of trying to get all of it in one episode, let's save something for next week. But thank you to everybody who asked the questions about you know orphans. Um, or just a team that you drafted that didn't go quarterback extreme and now you want it to be there is very useful to me anyways. Like it, it, it's been a very useful exercise, uh, to try and think through this, try and talk through this. Um, like I said, I, I don't even know that this, that the strategy has been perfected yet. I think that there's going to be more for us to revisit, but thank you for those who asked the question and got us moving in that direction. That's a huge help. I always, always appreciate any, any questions that you guys have regarding the quarterback extreme strategy. 
um, the Superflex Flywheel, the Superflex Theorem, you know, whatever you've got, would love to hear it and, you know, bring it here on the podcast. So don't stop reaching out at Superflex Dude on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can also, uh, you can also, you can also follow the show at Superflex Show. I wouldn't DM it though. <laughs> it's very unlikely that I'm going to see it in a, a, you know, in a timely fashion. Get at me at Superflex, dude. That's that's the way to go. But like I said, I always welcome those questions. I I enjoy those conversations, and uh, the ability to bring it here on the podcast and share you know, some thoughts and some questions and some strategies and some ideas with all of our super friends, um, I think is, uh, is extremely useful. So we'll keep doing it, but we'll wrap this up for the week. As we do that, subscribe to the podcast. It subscribe to the podcast. That is, if you haven't already subscribe to the DLF family of podcast, mega feed, uh, subscribe to Superflex city, that feed also has unique content coming out as on top of, you know, super show, super flexible, super flexperts and snake in the draft. Uh, it also has just kind of unique one-off podcast being created every, every week, uh, focused entirely on super flex. So, you know, subscribe to that feed as well. But once you've subscribed to the super flex, super show, do us a favor rate and review the show helps us to get in helps me get to more people uh, touch on more topics that are useful to you our super friends get more of these questions that end up being the entire topic for an entire show uh, that we can uh, kind of work through and talk through together um, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to my long lost friend James the Brain Catullus Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.